We only in the sport to be LeBron's. When you used to platinum, that gold be bronze. Your favorite rapper's dressing like Comic Con. These necklaces is different from charm to charm. Very drug money from lawn to lawn. We learn from the wizards and Papa Ron's. Everything don't need to be addressed. What's good, everybody? Feeling good, feeling great. Happy Saturday. It is the Warner Brothers Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Warner. Uh, going solo on that ass for a little bit today. It's for a little bit. Keenan's going to join us in the second half. I'll be talking basketball, music, probably be talking the same thing with Keenan, but <clears throat> just want to give A, my observations of the music scene lately, and B, my observation of the NBA playoffs so far. Uh, we're in the second weekend of the playoffs right now. Sixers and Raptors is finished up probably about a half hour ago. Raptors staved off elimination. Uh, they're going to be playing game five on the road in Philly. They're really going to go for this, uh, you know, Red Sox, Yankees down 0-3 comeback. Like, this is the, it's the most that I can remember that I've heard a coach, you know, be actively, like, going for it. You know what I mean? Talking about it in the public, this and that. So, they did a great job of it today. Game 5 in Philly will be a little bit different. Obviously, it'll be a little bit harder. But I liked what I saw out of the Raptors today. They fought hard. Definitely fought hard. It was a physical game. Felt like a game out of the out of the 2000s or something like that. It's good to see. I like how the Raptors, like how they carry themselves. Very well coached. Uh, you know, Nick Nurse can be, I've said on here, I called him in the last podcast, I called him Cameron Nurse. Because he can act like a bit of a Karen. He's got that little bit of a, can have that little bit of a whiny face too when he's coaching. But, you know, he's a champion. And he really is he's a great coach. Like he, in the second half today, he had a, his closing lineup was basically five forwards. Went no guards, no centers. I like that. I like when a coach will dig into whatever bag they have, like with their team, and just try out whatever they can to win. I love that type of shit. Like that to me is the measure of a good coach. You know how how far you're willing to go with your team. You know what I mean? You got twelve to thirteen players for a reason, right? Like you're obviously not going to use thirteen in a given game, but you might pluck one from that. 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 rotation that you might not normally play if you need something. You know what I mean? If you got a shooter there, you got a big there who maybe can give you some energy, you know, this or that. I like that. Meanwhile, so we got actually, as we speak, Mavericks, Jazz are playing. Luke is back. First game back after the calf stream. Dallas is up two right now. It's about to be, it's about one minute left in the first quarter. Dallas is up 2018. Disappointing series if you're a Jazz fan. You got Luka, who's probably, obviously, anywhere from 5 to 10, in your top 5 or 10 for uh, you know NBA players in the league right now. He misses game 1 and 2. You win game 1 in a close one. Game 2, you lose. Game 3, you lose, right? And you got Jalen Brunson going off. Like, you know, if you follow basketball... The Utah Jazz are pretty heavily scrutinized, whether that's fair or unfair, right? They got a they got a good mix of young talent mixed with a veteran team, and they're always at the top of the conference, but they seem to never make noise in the playoffs. And you know, I kind of held out hope for them just because Donovan Mitchell is still young, Rudy Gobert is right in the prime of his career, and you know, it takes time for these things. It really does. When you have a squad that you've had together for a few years, right? It takes time. 
you know, unless you got someone like Luka. Like, Donovan Mitchell's special, but he's not Luka. He's not Jokic, Embiid, LeBron. You know what I mean? He's not. He's a franchise player, but he's not a superstar player, which is fine. He's got a good squad around him. And, you know, in his young career, they just haven't. They've been to the playoffs every year of his career, but they haven't gotten over that hump yet. And this this was really kind of the make or break year. And you're down 2-1 going into a game four with Luka Doncic. Now coming back, he was gone the first two games. Right? Gone. Just took him out of the equation. That's, And he's such a big piece of the puzzle. Like his whole offense revolves around him. And now you find yourself down 2-1. Grant, you're at home today. You can tie it up. But it's going to be significantly tougher with Luka, even if he is banged up. Right? Uh, shouts to Jason Kidd, by the way, because he's not hes not a coach I was very fond of. You know what I mean? Like, he did he did wonders for Luka's career. Or, sorry, Giannis's career when he was with the Bucks. Didn't do great with the whole team. So I thought it was going to be a good fit. I did not expect him to do this well with the whole the whole squad in general. They play great defense, and they don't really have the makeup of a good defensive team. But he keeps them playing hard. Uh, keeps the same kind of offensive focus that they had under Carlisle, which is you know heavy screen and roll action with Luka, finding shooters. If he's got a one-on-one, he's going to go at it. He's gonna he, he can get a bucket as well as anybody in this league. So, you know. I could go on and on about Luka Doncic and how scary he is for the league and what his next five to ten years might look like. But, you know, we'll see today. Maybe he'll add to the Luka legend today in his, uh, in his comeback game, right? So that's been, a, that's been an interesting series. It's been, you know, this, is, this feels like a playoffs for Hugh purists. You know what I mean? Excuse me, let me talk in the mic a little better. I, I keep kind of... Looking around at my surroundings when I'm talking, so I'm not talking directly in the mic. My fault, but yeah, this is you know, there's no LeBron. As I just said, Luca was out the first two games. Now we're missing Devin Booker. You got a lot of stars out. No Zion too, if you're the Pelicans. A lot of stars out, right? Been some pretty good games, I'll say. And you know, you got Steph coming off the bench for Golden State. I actually, if you can believe this, so the the Warriors are up 3-0 right now on the Nuggets with uh, your reigning defending MVP, Jokic, who's given them everything he can. Squad's not doing so much help. Last game they did. Games one and two, it was rough for his supporting cast. Game three, Aaron Gordon showed up. The bench showed up. Jokic, I believe, ended with 30 and 17. They just still couldn't get it done. The way Jordan Poole is playing right now. You got Draymond clicking, especially on the defensive end. Clay's giving you shots. Like I said, Curry's their sixth man right now. And I've I've actually seen Warriors fans, as they're up 3-0, complaining that Curry's coming off the bench. My thinking, if I'm Steve Kerr, this is I'm assuming, I'm sure he's been asked, but I'm sure his answer to this, like as to why Steph's coming off the bench, is for Steph to get his rhythm back. He's been out for like four to six weeks, right? So he's probably like, I'm sure the minutes are up in the 30s. They definitely are. But they're high 20s, low 30s, right? Curry's probably just getting his rhythm back, this and that. He's probably going to start next series, whoever they play. It'll probably be Memphis, right? 
And I still seen some Warriors fans complaining, like, oh, we could be winning by more if Curry started. Like, he's he's borderline playing, he's playing at least three quarters of what he would if he was starting. You know what I mean? He's not playing high 30s right now, but he's playing enough minutes to where he's getting that rhythm, he's getting a shot back. Warriors will be fine. I'm very interested to see how, again, I'm looking forward. I'm assuming Memphis wins. You know, T-Wolves were up big in the last game, 22. I missed this whole second half of this game due to Hulu being down. But Wolves had at least, from what I saw, a 22-point lead. Might have been more. But I saw a 22-point lead, and then the fucking Grizzlies went on a 21-0 run. No timeouts by the Wolves during this 21-0 run. And they end up winning the game. Carl Anthony Towns has had exactly one good game in the playoffs so far. He has not looked good. Um, you know, going back to the Jazz, Donovan Mitchell, he doesn't look great with, uh, you know, with again, with them being down 2 1 to the Mavs without Luka. So, Donovan Mitchell, if you're looking for anybody to like step it up, the two players would be Donovan Mitchell and Carl Anthony Towns. Because, again, they're not superstars, but they are young stars. Borderline veterans at this point, especially Cat. Especially Cat. Been in the league a little bit, right? Like, you got to step it up. Can't complain. Carl Anthony Towns gave a pretty whack-ass fucking post-game interview the other day. After they gave up the 22-point lead. Talking about, oh, I'm going to recover from this loss by going home and drinking wine. Next question this, next question that. Yo, when you don't play well, you got you to gotta, you gotta answer the fire. Got to answer all the questions. Got to take all the heat, even if you don't like it. Nobody loves it. LeBron had to do it. James Harden's had to do it. All every star that you can imagine that has not played well in the playoffs because it's happened. Obviously, it happens every year. You gotta you just gotta go up there and face the music. You really do. Come back next game and play better. That's what I love about the playoffs. That's what I love the most about basketball compared to any sport. You know, like if you have a shitty possession, you have a bad possession on offense or defense. Guess what? You got a chance to respond to that possession the next time down. Whether it's on defense, whether it's on offense, you got a chance to respond. You airball a shot, you can next time down you can make that shot. You can make a great pass to your teammate, set a good screen. You can do something to bounce back from the negativity from before. You don't really get that in in any other sport. Maybe soccer. But still, it's not really the same. You know, the change of possession there is much quicker, obviously. But I digress. I'm liking what I see out of out of a young Memphis squad. A love John Moran, one of my favorite players in the league. Love his approach. Reminds me so much, and this has been said a million times. Reminds me so much of Derrick Rose. Reminds me a lot of Allen Iverson as well. Reminds me a lot of AI. Conversely, Wolves fans, not sure how y'all should feel about Towns. I would not be happy with him, obviously. Y'all obviously got something to know with Anthony Edwards. Love what I'm seeing out of the kid. He has the right approach. You know, I wasn't really sure what his level of seriousness was coming out of college. You know, he even said himself (laughs) he doesn't even like basketball or some shit like that. Like, he only kind of likes it. He'd rather rap or some shit. I don't know, but... 
he's clearly taken on a new level of seriousness. Uh, you saw him training with Jalen Brown over the offseason. And you can see it in his game. Like, that dude has next level athleticism. Like, on some on some MJ, on some LeBron, on, you know what I mean? Westbrook, Morant. He's up there with those kind of athletes. He's just a different level of athlete. And he's built like a like a tight end. But I'm most interested to see how these young guys bounce back from a game like that. Big comeback. Like, that's a real bizarre game. You don't see many games that give up a 21-0 run with no timeouts on top of that. So, interested to see if, like, the, the Grizzlies step on the Wolves' neck here, like a championship team would. Interested to see how Anthony Edwards and Towns bounce back. Because if Towns doesn't bounce back well, I don't know. It's going to be a long summer for him. Remember, he's a former number one overall pick, okay? Along with Edwards. I have no doubt that Edwards will at least go down gunning. You know what I mean? I have no doubt that he'll play hard. Towns just hasn't looked comfortable, hasn't looked, hasn't looked like himself at all. Does a lot of complaining. Does a lot of talking. His game has not backed it up, though. That's all. But, hey, we'll see tonight. That's that's what it is with the playoffs. You got you got the chance to bounce back, right? Um, you know, between how Towns, you know, the disappointment him and Donovan Mitchell have been to Jordan Poole, who's now elevating into, you know, some sort of star here. We're seeing something with him. Not really sure yet, but, man, Kerr wins again. Steve Kerr. He deserves so much credit for how he developed Jordan Poole. Like, like when I look at Jordan Poole play, especially like the last few years, because I believe this is his third season, third or fourth season, you know, that almost looks like to me if, like, what if Nick Young or J.R. Smith, what if they early on, like, would have actually gotten with maybe not J.R. Smith. He's not a good example because he did have George Carl, and George Carl definitely gave him opportunities but maybe Nick Young because he's he's less athletic than JR kind of like Jordan Poole they're like not explosive athletes but good athletes it's almost like if Nick Young was on a well-coached organization kind of in that six-man role how would have his career how would his career have turned out he might have looked more like a Jamal Crawford right I can't say shit about that because Nick Young ended up with a ring with the Warriors franchise but you know he had a bit of a reputation at the beginning of his career to be a gunner, to be, uh, you know, his shot selection was questioned quite a bit. Shouts to Nick Young, though. Shouts to Swaggy P. Miss him in the league. I mean, I tweeted the other day that Jordan Poole, he is now, he's now the third Splash Brother. It's official. It's Curry, it's Clay, it's Jordan Poole. So uh, that's going to be something for the league to deal with. I cannot wait. Like, I I'm going to touch on Brooklyn and Boston here in a second, but I am very much looking forward to the second round matchup of the Grizzlies and the Warriors. Like, I don't see any possible way that doesn't go seven games. Six at the least, definitely seven. Like Down to the wire, sixth game. Maybe one of the two pulls away in that game. But I see a knockdown, drag out series with those two. Unless the T-Wolves or the Nuggets, of course, you know, have some sort of miraculous comeback. And if the T-Wolves really got, you know, 
some mental toughness, but I don't see it. So I'm looking forward to those two. Boston and Brooklyn, I can't believe I've gone this long without talking about them. What a series. What a fucking series. Like, we're only two games in. This shit feels like the conference finals. Like, the level of physicality in these games right now is, it truly feels like a conference finals or NBA finals type of type of atmosphere. The refs are letting them play. The crowd's really into it. Boston's got, you know, a top five home crowd in the league. Okay. They got Time Lord coming back, Rob Williams coming back today for game three, which is not good news for Brooklyn, who has not handled this Celtics defense well. Try to warn y'all. Try to warn y'all. Okay? Boss put the clamps on Durant in games one and two. Kyrie, they put the clamps on last game. He obviously had a spectacular game one. Uh, Every shot Kyrie shoots, I swear to God, it looks like it's going in. Like, that's how I feel every time he shoots. I don't know what it is. But... I don't expect Durant to have a bad game. Do not expect him to have three straight bad games. Had this been without Time Lord, I, I think he could afford another iffy game because game one wasn't like, he didn't shoot the best game one, right? Game two, he played bad all around. Turnovers, missed shots. You know, it just was not Durant at all. Game one, physical game. I think he ended up with 23. Didn't shoot well, but it's some of the shots he needed to. You know what I mean? Like, he kept them in the game. Kyrie obviously kept the whole team afloat. Neither one of them had it go in game two. You saw what happened. All right? It was a close game most of the way. But Celtics pulled away. Grant Williams was the MVP of that game to me. You know, doing what it takes on defense. His, his three-point shot. Like, he's become borderline knockdown. He's a 40. I think he's a 41% three-point shooter. That's insane. So, you can't leave him open. He's trying to compare. He's a little bit like like Al Horford and Draymond Green on defense. A little bit. And offense, really. Because he can do a little bit for you. He can can play and make from that high post a little bit. He can put the ball on the floor a little bit, which surprises me every time I see it. Every once in a while, I put the ball on the floor and give you a little Euro. But, man, this Boston team's so deep. Like, I don't... I honestly thought Brooklyn was going to win game two. I did. I thought it would be a split going back to Brooklyn. Them being up 2-0 with Rob Williams now coming back and it doesn't look like he's going to have any minutes restrictions. That's scary for Brooklyn. I expect Durant to play well today. You know, I expect Kyrie to play well, but I especially expect Durant to play well. But if he gives you three straight subpar games, I don't know. I don't know. I don't even... I don't expect a sweep, but man, if this was a short series, like a gentleman's sweep or a sweep for Brooklyn, I really wonder what it would look like next year. You know, their season was weird. Like I've seen people say how this is on Steve Nash. Steve Nash did a great job to me this season. You know, he lost Durant for a few weeks. We know what happened with Kyrie. Kyrie was, you know, basically only playing road games for all but two weeks of the season. James Harden obviously got traded away and he was dealing with an injury while he was on the Nets. So, I mean, Steve Kerr kept this afloat as best he could. They won the play-in games. They got to where they needed to be. Seventh seed uh, first Boston. You know, that's that's the consequence for those injuries in the James Harden situation and all that. Ben Simmons, by the way, allegedly coming back. Game four. I don't think that'll help them at all. I really don't. Maybe gives them a little bit of a spark, especially if they win today. But 
I don't know. I feel like that's almost a distraction given how his season, shit, given how the past year has gone for him, right? Refusing to play. Now all of a sudden he has a back injury. Now you're throwing in him into game four of a series I just compared to a, a late round postseason series, right? That level of physicality, that level of pressure. Because, you know, let's be clear. Make no mistake, there is championship expectations for the Brooklyn Nets, regardless of their seating. And you know what? From what I've seen from them, and I think their their supporting cast is pretty thin. Listen, I think, I still think they're uh, one of the top five teams, top six teams in the league. They're going toe-to-toe with Boston, even with Kyrie and Durant not playing well. Like I, I like what I see out of them. I like what I see out of Steve Nash. Right, but I think Boston wins this in six. I originally had seven. Originally had seven. I did not expect Time Lord to come back this quick. I thought if we were gonna see him this series, it was gonna be game six, game seven kind of thing. Did not expect him in game three today. So that was a nice surprise to wake up to. But I love this series. I would take fifteen games of the series. Um, I don't know. I'm liking the way these playoffs are shaping up. But overall, it's been a good first week to the postseason. I'll say that. You know, we'll see what happens. And, you know, it's game three, game four area. We'll see what happens. This is where teams usually take control. Jazz are up 15 on the Mavericks right now. Going into half, it looks like. About two minutes left. So maybe that series becomes interesting. Because the only one that's really catching my eye. I don't know. We'll see what the Hawks can do. I'm interested to see what the Hawks do tomorrow with Miami but Boston and Brooklyn's really the only one so far that's lived up to the billing Mavericks Jazz can get there especially if the Jazz win today <laughs> excuse me they can get there I thought specifically Denver Warriors would be a better series Raptors and Sixers it's been competitive at least even though it's 3-1 now and it was bordering on a sweep that one's been competitive Grizzlies, T-Wolves, that one's been fun. All right, And then we got Suns, Pelicans, no Devin Booker, obviously. Chris Paul's been putting on a fucking virtuoso performance. That dude, again, what do you have last night? He had 28 and 14 assists, no turnovers. That's insane in a playoff. That's insane in any game, let alone a playoff game. So, we'll see. I expected a little more excitement this whole week. It's been cool. It's been a cool playoff week with, you know, the peaks being games one and two. Of Boston, Brooklyn. Now, music. Man, it's been a good start. It's been a good spring for music already, okay? We had Dreamville drop a project about three weeks ago now. DJ Drama Mixtape, if you want to call it a mixtape. It's on streaming services, so, you know, whatever. But, you know, Cole gave us some great verses there. The rest of the Dreamville roster showed out. Good, easy listen. You know what I mean? They gave us consistency. It was a good listen. It's a great listen. Then we got the Fabio Foreign, his debut album, his major label debut album. Called Bible. Uh, I had that shit on repeat pretty much the first two weeks after it came out. Great album. Uh going to be hearing it a lot this summer. He's got a lot of good tracks on there. Some tracks for the ladies, some shit for the clubs. 
I mean, most of the shit's for the club, but I mean, he didn't really show off his range, but you know, to me, good solid album to start with. You know, it's really interesting because he's kind of taking what was Pop Smoke's position in New York. You know what I mean? Like, he's on every feature now. He's, he's, you know, on every, he's the face of drill. He's the face of New York drill right now, which again, would have been Pop. And he was probably number two there. Probably was, but you know, Pop obviously, unfortunately, was taken from us too soon. But, no, great album. I'm enjoying it. And then we got we got a three-headed monster, four-headed monster, really, of releases. All right, so we had Pusha T yesterday with It's Almost Dry, which, listen, if you're a fan of Daytona, his last album, it almost feels like an extension of that, maybe as far as beats, because Kanye didn't miss at all with the seven beats he gave Push on Daytona. This one... <laughs> Kanye and Pharrell, you know, they basically did half the album. I think Pharrell probably did a little more than half, so he might have one more track. I'd have to look, but Pharrell fucking blacked out on this album. He gave Push, like, <laughs> oh, I don't know, six, nine out of ten to ten out of ten beats. Like, he fucking blacked out on this shit. Uh, go through Pharrell's production discography of like all the records he produced over the years it's insane it's insane his consistency it's insane how much heat he's been giving out because you know there's a lot of prominent hip-hop producers who've been there you know throughout the years decades throughout the game right pharrell though his input is just as consistent as it was 20 years ago in the early 2000s just as consistent like he is still whether it's pop whether it's r&b whether it's hip-hop he's still putting out and producing at an insanely high level him and chad hugo shouts to the neptunes shouts to them for blessing Pusha t and this album i can't believe it took us this long to get a Pusha t album that was basically half produced by kanye half produced by pharrell because those are the two producers you would link most to Pusha t and they've obviously done you know a couple of beats here and there on his albums, on his solo projects. Kanye, obviously, as I mentioned before, produced his whole past album. But for this one to be exclusively, more or less, Pharrell and Kanye beats, it feels long overdue. That's all. It feels long overdue. But as a hip-hop head, I'm fucking ecstatic over it. Then we got a future album coming out next Friday. Followed by a Jack Harlow album that's not really for me, but I'll definitely be tuning into that as well. And then after that, it's King Kendrick. It's coming back May 13th. So we got a great stretch leading into the summer of good music coming out. Blast dropped an album yesterday too. Good R&B joint. Listen to a little bit of that. Sounds pretty good so far. I'm going to dig more into that over this week. Um, got a flight Tuesday, so I'll definitely be listening to that on the flight, probably. But, I don't know. This Push album, I listened to it back-to-back last night. And, uh, <laughs> shit is hard body karate. Shit is hard. Ridiculously hard. Love it. Every, like, there's no, not one skip, not one beat wasted. Push is fucking flowing on every single track. 
I can't wait to listen to it again today. I'm very much looking forward to this future album. It's been a quiet rollout. He's been dropping hints here and there, like, oh, I'm dropping soon, this or that. He finally gave us a date. He had a pretty big interview. I think it was a GQ article. Kind of kind of previewing this album. He said some shit like, because Future's known as like the toxic king, because, you know, he's had some pretty wild lyrics about his relationship and his relationship with women in general, right? So he's known as the toxic king, and he said some shit in that article like, oh, I'm not even that toxic. The women I was involved with are more toxic than me or some shit. I'm like, yo, like he might be like from his perspective, like, OK, like he might might have a, a might have a slight point there. Like maybe the women he's been dealing with are pretty toxic. But future, we listen to your lyrics. Uh, let me give you an example. Let me give you a future lyric. That's how he started a verse. This is about his uh, his baby mom's Ciara. Famously one of his baby mothers, all right? Starts off the verse. Let me tell the world how much I care for you. I paint a picture, gave a style to you. I took a chance when you had miles on you. I should have fucked and blew some loud on you. Listen, he might, again, he might have a point that these women might have been really toxic to him, right? What are we supposed to do when we have lyrics like that over and over? Like, come on, Future, you're the toxic king right he's saying that on his next album that he's gonna he's gonna show off his softer side so we're gonna get a little more r&b future which is dope because we've gotten a full album of r&b future and it's one of my favorite albums by future that hendrix album so i can't wait his last album what was it his last album high off life that was a 2020 release listen it was underrated. It's a lot of tracks, but that's one of my, I don't want to say it's my favorite, but it's up there. I've been listening to it, especially this last, I'd say six months, like here and there, I'll pop back into it. It's a really good album. Future is nothing if not consistent. And he loves making music. Like he went through a stretch where to me, he was releasing too many projects and too much music, but it was all quality. And that's the hard part. Like, there comes a time where you release too much good music. Like, you almost gotta like space it out. Like, give it a year to breathe. And there was a stretch. I would say probably two, three years ago, maybe a little more than that. I don't know. But he was he was releasing. It seemed like every six months. So I'm really looking forward to this future project. Obviously, looking forward to this Kendrick project. I'm really interested to see what he has to say after being six years gone out the game, basically. Not sure how I feel about the album title. Album's actually called Mr. Morale and the Big Steppers. Seems a little off-brand from his other album titles. I don't know. Seems a little out of place, but shit. One thing we do know, Kendrick's going to have a lot to say, and he's going to be rapping his ass off. Like, that's a rapper, obviously. I ain't got to say this, but he's never going to give you a whack verse. Might give you those singy-songy verses, which is kind of weird. I don't really like when he goes into that kind of flow, but can't name you one whack Kendrick verse so yeah I'm excited uh shit we got a lot of good music coming out this summer too I don't know who else will be dropping but if that's just who's coming out you know two three weeks before the summer in the spring look out look out who know who knows what we might have I wonder if Cal is going to drop an album this seems like a perfect 
Khaled type of summer because you know DJ Khaled he could be really annoyed but he really do be giving out the summer anthems so I'm interested to see if there's a release there Big Sean we haven't heard from Big Sean in a while Fab looking for a Fab release y'all already know I'm looking for a Fab release Kanye Donda 2 that should be that full project should be coming soon notice how quiet he's been Notice how when there's nothing to promote, shit gets real quiet. Watch, once he starts promoting this Donda 2 again, because it wasn't a, an official release. like It was just kind of a the demo one, that stem player thing. But once he once he starts like drumming that up again, watch how much the, uh, the P and Kim, that dialogue, watch how much that increases, because it's going to again. It only happens around a release. That's why I don't really pay attention. Or get all into like, oh, what's Kanye doing? Because trust me, he only stirs the shit up when he's got something to promote. And he gets y'all every time. People get worked up every single time about it. Every single time. Every single fucking time. But, yeah, as a music lover, what a great time. Because I feel like 2021 was kind of dry, which makes sense. I mean, there was a lot of good music, but it wasn't as good as 2020 to me, which is... Again, it makes sense given what we were going through with the pandemic and this and that. That's why you're seeing so many high-profile releases right now, I would guess. So, yeah, who knows? Maybe we got some more Drake coming this summer. Definitely some more Favio. I expect a Favio deluxe of this Bible album. So I'm expecting a lot. SZA, SZA still got to drop. There's a lot of good music coming our way. But that's just the first half. I'm talking too much. I want to talk to someone else about it. So Keenan will be joining us. We're going to take a little bit of a break here. Then we'll come back, we'll talk some basketball, maybe talk some music. We'll see what Keenan wants to get off his chest. All right. This is the Warner Brothers Podcast. It is now Sunday, April 24th. The first half that you're going to hear of this was recorded on Saturday the 23rd before a lot of the Saturday games. Actually, while the uh, Dallas and Jazz game was going on. Mm-hmm. So uh, now we got kind of going to have the uh, post-game reactions to all the Saturday games. And maybe a little bit of a preview to the Sunday games. Because uh, Sunday games start in about 20 minutes here. Keaton, how you doing? I'm I'm good. These playoffs have been interesting. I'm doing great. I'm doing great, actually. So, uh, what did you think? What What's your? Because we haven't talked since before the playoffs. Give me a little bit of a review of what you've seen so far. Um, or we could go. We can even go series by series. Yeah, let's just let's just run down series by series real quick. And um, I want to talk about Boston Brooklyn first because that's the one that's on my mind. So. Uh, so we were talking just like a touch. I have not seen Kevin Durant play this bad really ever. But the last time I remember in a playoff series he's played this bad was in against Memphis in 2013 when there was no Russell Westbrook in the second round. <sighs> really, Kevin Durant hasn't played this bad since Thunderstruck, if anyone's ever seen that movie, where he got his talents taken away 
but he hasn't played this bad since Thunderstruck. He has been god-awful. He's been the fourth best player on his team. Blake Griffin almost had a bigger impact and played like eight minutes. I don't know what's going on with Brooklyn. Bring out the brooms. Bring out the brooms. Like, Boston looks great. Jason Tatum, if you had any questions before about being a superstar, officially a superstar. Like, Boston looks great, and they're poised to move on. But Brooklyn, my God, like, this offseason is going to be an interesting one in Brooklyn. You give Kyrie a deal. Steve Nash gets fired. Like, well, what's going on? But, yeah, Brooklyn, garbage. Kevin. Yeah, I'll talk about Brooklyn a little bit before I talk about the Celtics of Boston. Um, also, I think that that series with the Grizzlies, I, I want to say Westbrook was there for them because I remember a specific game. I don't know if it was that series. I don't know if they played them like a couple years in a row. They but played them what- three years in a row. And I think the year, because I believe the year that Tony Allen clamped up Durant was the year that Westbrook got the injur- got injured. I could be wrong. I can check, but you can go on. I just remember a game. I think it was tied 2-2 with the Grizzlies. Westbrook and Durant did have it, and Reggie Jackson saved them. Mm-hmm. This this would have been, actually, yeah, that would have been 2013 because this was after Harden was traded. So it must have been 2013, right? Because he was there for 2012 in the finals. So that might have been the same series, actually. Um, in, 20, in 2013, in the semis, they lost in five to Memphis. Interesting. And, so was, maybe it was and then maybe. 2014 was game. Uh, 2014, they went seven with Memphis and the Thunder won. That must have been a series. Then. That must have been one. It must have been. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. It was game three. I was sorry, not game three, game four. They won by three, and Kevin Durant had 15 points on five of 21 and one of seven from three. So, but yeah. Anyways, no, Kevin Durant hasn't played. Yeah. 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 So we start off game one, an absolute classic. Mm-hmm. Uh, game one and game two, even game three. Game three's vibe a little was a little weird, but game one and two specifically, they felt like conference finals games. They just feel like conference felt, finals. They felt like game sevens to me, honestly. Like, they uh, really both did. of them felt like game sevens. But go on. They really did. They were they were hella physical. Uh, the rest were let them play, kind of, because each first quarter they were loaded with foul shots. But then they kind of would just let them play as the game went along. Mm-hmm. But Durant just looks so tentative. Like, he's – I can't tell you how many times it seems like he gets the ball on, like, the left block with his back to the basket, like, from 15 and in. And then it's just, like, waiting for the double and dishing it out. Um, if he gets it on the perimeter, he's kind of just dribbling around with it. Really staying at the perimeter. He's not trying to attack the basket. He's not trying to attack any angles. Like he's he's letting the Celtics to some degree double him up. It looks like he really just doesn't know what to do with the Celtics. And it's really weird because if he was in college, it would make sense. Or if he was like early in the NBA, like say Ja, because Ja's been having some struggles. It makes sense because you're not used to certain defenses. Kevin Durant's seen like every defense. So it doesn't it just doesn't make sense. He's in the heart of his prime. He's a two-time champion. He's an MVP. Like this this is the time you're not going to understand how to like LeBron did it early on, but I don't know. I this is just this is weird to me. Hey, I told people this defense was different. Like it's it's hard. I don't I don't see many teams, especially with the physicality that the refs are allowing. I don't see many teams having success against 
Boston the way they're playing defense. Their defense sets up their offense. And, uh, I mean, like I said, going into the playoffs, they don't – nothing is exhausting for Boston on offense, as you see it is on offense for Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it takes a lot for Kyrie and KD to get a bucket. Because there's no then ball be- There's no ball movement. There's just there's – just- there, There's none, but I wouldn't say they're going ISO either. Like, I'm, I see a lot of them, like, where they – where KD and especially Kyrie can succeed against Boston is in transition. And Boston's transition defense has been incredible. Like Kyrie, I've never seen Kyrie so much get ahead of steam. And like I saw this two or three times yesterday that I've never seen out of Kyrie. And he'll like bobble the ball or someone will get a fingertip on the ball. You never see anybody get a clean hand on the ball against Kyrie. Like Kyrie can usually dribble through yeah. whatever, you know? And uh, Kevin Durant's been blocked like four times by Jason Tatum. You never see that. You never see it. And uh, you can just tell he doesn't know what to do. Everywhere they turn, you're going to have someone, you know, between the heights of 6'4", 6'5", 6'6", and up against you, whether you're switching, whether, you know, like if you see a cutter, Boston's got a body on them. Mm -hmm. Boston's just such the tougher team. But, you know, games one and two are right there. Not that game three wasn't. It's just when we were down 2-0 and you got like, like for the Celtics, when they can drive to the rim and kick it out, and it's, you know, you got either Marcus Smart, Al Horford, Grant Williams, all these guys who can shoot, and you are you have trust in shooting the ball with that corner three. Yeah. It's a lot easier than, you know, your Brooklyn, and you got Blake Griffin coming in after, you know, however many games since he's played. Uh, you know, Dragic can shoot at Curry and Mills, but when you're down eight in the third and fourth quarter in a must-win game, Shit starts to get tight. You kind of saw that. They didn't really get tight as much as you saw them be like, what the fuck are we supposed to do? Like, I remember Kyrie jacked up a, a deep three in the fourth quarter. That was, such like, a, that was a terrible of, shot. But like, out of desperation, because you know, like, they just didn't have it. Like, Kevin Durant has not had it at all. He made a drive in the third or fourth quarter yesterday with his left. And I kind of thought to myself, like, oh shit, maybe he's coming alive here. I think it was in the third quarter after a dumb turnover. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's still just. Never bounce back. I don't know if we actually sweep them. I think Brooklyn's too good to get swept. I would think yeah. we'd get one. But, <laughs> but that was the one if they're going to do it. That's the thing. Boston, everything's so easy for Boston on both ends. They're going to be tough to beat. Just don't make yeah. many mistakes. We're well coached. Uh, I mean, this is why I told you before we got to the postseason that I wasn't afraid of Brooklyn at all. Because who's going to guard us? Who's nope. going to guard us? That's, that second half, there was times where they had a four-guard lineup. And our whole lineup was just towering over them. Like there games was- three definitely show game three definitely showed that discretion. I mean, obviously, I mean every game you've seen it, but game one they choked that one away. I don't know how you don't pull that game out as with Kevin Durant and Kyrie, especially because we were talking before the series. Sorry to interrupt you. We were talking before the series. Kyrie can get you one. KD can get you one. I said the others can get you one. And if those others can get you one in a game seven, you take your chances as Kyrie and KD. Kyrie should have got you one, but you blew that game. The others should have got you one in game two. Bruce Brown at 23, Drogic 18, Curry 16, Drummond had a good game. That's the others playing. And you blew that because Kevin Durant couldn't play. And then obviously the Celtics just won game three. But... I wouldn't call. I wouldn't really call game one a choke job. If I'm you're up, if I see, I'd, I were, if you're up three and then you give up two layups and you can't get. I I don't know. I 
because they, uh, the game job, the man. game wasn't a choke job. The end of it, you've got to pull that game out. You have to. You have I guess to. so, but they could. Brooklyn couldn't even get a shot off, really, a good shot off due to our defense. So I mean, you know, if you're getting if you're getting clamped up there at the end, and then you got the, the first game winner in Boston's history, which was a spinning layup at the end. I don't know. I mean, that's a that's a pretty wild ending. You know what I mean? That game could have went. 75 different ways there with that ending and oh, uh, the de- no the defense no the defense by boston that's not that's not a choke that's just boston playing great defense you can't allow boston to get two layups that that, that can't happen i don't care if whatever happened like you two layups layups yeah i don't that second one i can't really blame anybody because again that was such a a genius, I guess you'd call it a genius play by Marcus Smart to use that time with the pump fake and everything. So I mean, that was a good breakdown by Marcus Smart. It's not like they oh. got a free layup at the win, at the at the buzzer there. Oh, Tatum you can make good plays it. with still having that though. Like you can make good plays with still not do. Like Kevin Durant just fell asleep and just didn't watch Jason Tatum cut because he thought Marcus Smart, Smart was going to shoot it. So great was, play by that Smart. Was still, great. That was still two things there. Shit, when it's three seconds left in the game, I can't really knock KD for stopping when Tatum still had to catch it, spin it, pirouette, and finger roll. Like, that was, for a layup, that's a pretty high degree of difficulty a shot. And as we've seen at the end of games, especially in the last five seconds when there's a last shot going up, you never know what's going to happen. It's fucking chaotic out there. So I can't really blame KD because you don't, I can't name when I've seen a game winner quite like that. You know what I mean? Like, that's, it's a very specific play. Off, no timeout either. You know what I mean? Everything's... Which I think teams should do more often. At the end of the game. I think What's teams, up? Uh, which I think teams... Which you're starting to see it a little bit more, but I think teams should do that more often. You don't allow them to sub in their defensive players. Office said it's much easier to guard in the uh, transition. Things can get scrambled and you can get the matchups you want. Obviously, keep that timeout and keep that timeout in your back pocket. Like if you get down to five seconds and nothing's going, you call the timeout. But I always think you should go without one. Personally, I agree. Same thing with Trey Young the other night mm-hmm. against the Heat. Mm-hmm. The same. That's a bigger. If they call a timeout there, I don't think they get a bucket. No, because then you could put you can put Jimmy Butler on Trey Young. You could and then just lock him up, and you take your chances with somebody else taking that last shot. I also wanted to credit you for your memory. Because it was that game, it was game four, but it was uh, Kevin Durant had 15, Westbrook had 15, they had 12 turnovers, turnovers combined, and Reggie Jackson went off for 32 and had eight in overtime. So just wanted to credit you for your memory. Yeah, I remember that game. They were dying to lose it. He literally saved the series for them. Mm-hmm, because they, um, I was going to say, they lost game three and then they ended up losing game five. So that game four was very pivotal. <laughs> but back to Brooklyn. I mean, it's going to be fun if we sweep, and the jokes already are flying. Like, it's great. I kind of wanted a good series. I'm not going to lie. Like, it felt like it was going to be a classic series. I thought it was going to go seven. I thought it was at least going to go six. It's an infamous series. Uh Huh? (laughs) It's going to be a series. If they sweep, it's going to, the series would kind of live in infamy in a sense, like a little bit of like a, how did this Brooklyn team that was supposed to be, that was like the third Vegas odds to win it all, lost in a sweep in the first round. Yeah, I mean, losing is something I'm not surprised by, but the fashion that it's happening, a, yeah. little, a little surprising, especially down. I mean, when they went down 2-0, because game two they needed, I really expected Brooklyn to win that game, and they mm-hmm. just didn't have it. They just didn't have it at all. 
And then we saw what happened yesterday. Um, actually, don't fault Steve. I almost said Steve Kerr. I don't fault Steve Nash that much as I fault Steve. Or sorry, don't fault <laughs> Nash as much as I fault Kevin Durant. Oh no, Kevin no, Durant's, no. Kevin Durant's got to be the one to at least give me twenty points. You know what I mean? Twenty five, and at least like yesterday he was so tentative. He didn't even want to shoot it. It seemed like eleven shots. Scared, not. Right, exactly. He didn't necessarily seem scared. He just seemed like he genuinely didn't know what to do, which is fine. But you know, when you got your back to basket at fifteen, put up a shot if you're Kevin Durant. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like give your give your team a chance. So that's a little disappointing. But you know, from a Celtics point of view, you know, I'm obviously happy mm-hmm. being a three zero. But I really did expect a little bit more of a challenge. Yeah, but because it should have been game you know, one. Kevin Durant just got. They played great defense on Kevin Durant. They got physical with him. He wasn't really expecting it. So, but Boston played great defense on him. He went nine to twenty-four. He was still looking to get his. He was just turning the ball over, being a little careless. And you're kind of like, oh, well, this is just a bad game for Kevin Durant. And Kyrie and, kept him in it. That and then game. Kyrie, Kyrie kept him in it. You're you're fine with game one because those games happen, and Boston just played well. They did. Game two was a game two was a masterclass on the on defense by Boston. Mm-hmm. Game two, it really showed because in the first half, Kevin Durant was start, was a little efficient. I mean, he went he because he went zero for ten in the second half. He was four seven in the first, and the only reason why his stat line, if you were to not look at like the shooting percentage or anything, looks okay, is because he went eighteen to twenty from the line. So he had twenty seven <laughs> points, but really eighteen of them came from the line. He was bad, and then game three. He plays 46 minutes, only takes 11 shots for the greatest offensive player of our generation, probably. And 16, 7, and 8, that's a cool Draymond Green stat line. You're Kevin Durant. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> why, aren't you shooting, you're shooting, why aren't you shooting the ball? In a must-win game. Um, but look at, looking forward to Brooklyn's offseason, I think Kyrie opts in. Like He's got a player option, so I don't... I don't think he leaves. <laughs> He'd have no reason to, especially how they stuck by him throughout this whole COVID thing. And, you know, that's why I don't really fault Nash. And I don't think Nash is getting fired at the end of this year because of all they dealt with this season. You had Durant gone for a lot of stretches. You had Kyrie gone for most of the year. And then the whole James Harden thing where he, you know, didn't even want to play, basically. So Nash didn't really have much to work with this year. They got him to a seventh seed, you know. KD came back within the last few weeks of the season, was playing heavy minutes. They got to where they needed to be ultimately, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, games, games one and two. And I thought he was actually, I do think he could have thrown like Blake Griffin or people like that or LaMarcus Aldridge. I think you do, you should maybe switch it up a little earlier. Yeah. He waited until absolutely desperation times to, you know, go to Blake Griffin, who you want a playoff series, by the way. Like we saw him last year. He might be washed. He's definitely washed, but we saw him last year do the same thing for them. When they he put him in, he would give them effort, he'd give them all the garbage plays. And it was like working well for him. You know what I mean? He was in that like light Draymond Green role. You know yeah, what I mean? And it's nice good for him. Like, um there was one play on the play he got fouled on when he went up off the uh I think he got like a dump pass and went up for it. Two like three years ago, not even three years ago, more like five, six years ago, that would be a punch and you would have saw him and like, Oh my gosh, this is Blake Griffin. But it's it's nice to see sometimes when uh players diminish and they clearly know they've diminished to see them actually transfer themselves from star to hustle player. 
You know, like it's nice that they are real. Like you can tell if someone's a good teammate by the way they play, knowing that they've diminished. Because some people can't lose the fact that they were a star. And Blake Griffin mm-hmm. was a twenty-four and nine guy who, in the playoffs, had great, great playoff series. But either him getting injured or Chris Paul getting injured deterred them. But seeing him go from obviously the twenty-four point per game guy to now the hustle guy who's fine who plays like just as hard as he possibly can every time he touches the floor. It's kind of cool to see from star from like used to be stars. Absolutely. Absolutely. Like Ray Allen did it really. I mean, other there's been many players who've done it, but Ray Allen's another person I'm thinking of, but just transitioned beautifully into being a super to being a superstar, but a star in Milwaukee and then star definitely in uh, Seattle star in Boston and kind of started to diminish and then went to Miami and just obviously made the greatest shot in NBA history. I'm ready for Milwaukee. That's all I know. Without Chris Middleton too, maybe. So it'll be interesting. Yeah, he'll definitely be banged up. I expect him to play, but mm-hmm. uh, I'm getting less and less afraid of Brooke, or, uh, sorry, Milwaukee by the second, the way our defense is playing. I'm... Um, uh, we'll go right into that Milwaukee series. That series is going pretty much as expected. I thought uh, game two. I figured the DeRozan game two would happen in game three. Like I figured that the Bulls were going to win one, and I figured that it was going to be a DeMar DeRozan big performance. But that happened in game two. I don't see this series going more than five. So I'll be shocked today if the if the Bulls win. But the series is kind of. I think it'll either go five or six. I can see. I can see the Bulls getting one more. I mean, I don't see it, especially after what Game Three looks like. Yeah. But they got to win today to extend it, and then yeah. if they did, I don't see this going seven. The no. Bulls. Bulls are playing hard though. I mean, last game they got demolished. I mean, you're facing defending champs. You can't guard Giannis. Like well, they don't have can, anyone. Who can too. guard Giannis? Patrick Williams is. I mean, not only in the league you can, but like if you're talking Bulls wise. Vucevic is tall enough, but clearly not agile enough. You've got Patrick Williams, who's agile enough, but he's not tall enough or strong enough. So you don't have people who can actually stay with him on that team for sure. So, yeah, no, definitely not. Just Giannis is going to do whatever he wants to do. And that series, I I think it's going to be over in five. I have renewed interest in this Jazz Maverick series. Because yeah. what the hell is going on? For it to go for Luca misses the three games, the Jazz are down 2-1. And then the Jazz pull it out yesterday. When they're down four with 40 seconds left, they end up winning by one off a of Gobert alley-oop. Mm-hmm. And they win. Luca puts up a pretty good game scoring-wise. But Luca's first game back, they win that game. Now you got 2-2 best of three series with Luca. Like, the Jazz did not make it easy on themselves at all. They no. could have been up easily 3-0. Well, not easily, because you know the Mavericks played their asses off clearly, and they played hard. But man, they should be up three. Like, up a little more. Three one should be what they're kind of looking at right now, instead of two two, especially without Luca for three games. But thinking about that series, if you would have told me the day before the end of the season, like right before Luca has calf injury, if Dallas and Utah face and it was two two going back to Dallas, I would be like, yeah, that makes sense. So like the outcome of so far makes sense because I had it going seven, or probably I would have had it probably going six with Luca's full health, but I had it going seven. So if it went two two, it wouldn't shock you. How the two games went or the four games have gone so far, 
Jalen Brunson putting up 41 and then 31. And then the Mavericks are like two completely, obviously different teams with Luka without him. Like the ball movement when Luka's off the court is so much more than when Luka obviously has it because he's such a great playmaker. So sometimes it can look as if like they play better without him, which clearly they don't. Because just like everyone plays more together without him because they can't, everyone has to make up what Luka does. But it it's just it, this series is actually interesting now. Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to games five, six, and seven. Yeah, I think it does because I think it will go seven. Uh, it'll be Luka special, but I don't foresee him. I mean, shit, I can't say that. I was gonna say I can't see him pulling out two out of three. But I mean, if if Utah gave up two to Jalen Brunson in the gang earlier in the series. I can't just flip on them just because they won one game. So I, I, I think it'll Dallas. go I think it'll go seven. Well I got Dallas, but I think it'll go seven. Yeah, I'll stick with seven. I'll stick with seven. Luca could get you two before, mm-hmm. but I think it'll go seven. It's been a weird rhythm to the series, especially with that. Yeah. I could see I could see Utah winning game five as well coming off that big game four that wins. i could that i could see i think they ride the momentum and then maybe we get a luca legendary performance in game six mm-hmm. in dallas so we'll see actually sorry no game six in utah in, in utah game so. six that'd be a real legendary performance going into utah <laughs> and then i'm also interested to see hawks heat how the hawks bounce back because like you said he doing a great job defensively on Trey Young. He's seeing bodies whenever he comes off a screen. Uh, you know, that's why it was such a big win for them. I love that call, like we said earlier, of them not calling the timeout. Yeah. Trey Young gets the bucket, gets in the paint. Because, again, if they call a timeout there, they're just not getting a shot. Or at least Trey's yeah. not getting a shot. And if he is, it's a bad shot. Because, yeah, they're doing the right thing. And what you should do with Trey and a lot of these stars, which is just get the ball the fuck out of their hands, mm-hmm. you know? Boston's done a good job of that with Durant to some degree. Like, I think he can still get shots up. He's Kevin Durant. You know, <laughs> damn near seven feet. You can shoot over a defense. So it's a little bit different between him and Trey Young. But I do like Miami's approach against him and just being physical. And I mean, these series really do look like they're straight out of the 90s or 2000s. They like, do. I mean, not the level of athlete wasn't crazy like it is today as far as like your swing guys. Like, you know, maybe it was a little easier in the 90s and 2000s, sure. But hand checking really does make a difference. Like, you see, like, a lot of this defense on Durant yesterday. The Celtics got two hands on him, basically. Mm-hmm. You can call the foul if you want. Like, you know, they, you could say they should keep it consistent. But, you know, the the refs and the playoffs are going to let you play basketball. I, I like a it. A lot of the time. You know what I mean? So, I mean, you know, people. People made the comments like such and such player wouldn't be as successful in the 90s. Of course, they'd still be successful. Steph would still be Steph in the 90s. Durant would still be Durant. LeBron would still be LeBron. But would it be a little more hard? Yeah, it would yeah. be. It's it's hard when you've got a fellow 6'8 athlete on you, holding you. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Or, you know, someone who can at least stay with you laterally. Now he can put his hands on you, too. He can be physical with you. Yeah. You know, that's why... That's why like Tony Allen has given problems with, or sorry, given Durant problems in the past, given Kobe problems in the past, you get a little more physicality in the postseason. So, and and that's why you see people's percentages go down and the greats being able to do, uh, to elevate shows how great you are. 
But like though, um, I think obviously if Steph, Durant, LeBron, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, from today's game were to play back then, it would just take them a little bit to get used to it. But then they would just be just as great as they are today. And obviously, I don't. I know you don't disagree with that. I'm just saying. Um, but the thing, I can't even remember what I was thinking now. Oh, that's what I was saying. The thing that Boston's doing that's like kind of genius of how they're playing Durant, I've noticed, is early in the shot clock, because obviously if the ball comes out of Durant's hands at like 17 seconds, they want to get the ball into his hands again before the shot clock's done, especially when Kyrie's not on the floor. And what Boston's done a great job of is making Durant uncomfortable on that first catch to where he feels he needs to pass it. And then when Kevin Durant gets the ball back, instead of with it being seven seconds in the shot clock, it's been four and they've been up in him. So he's not able to actually take that gather dribble into a con- into a clean shot. It's been more of a off-balance contested shot. And that's literally been the difference between makes and misses from what I've seen from Boston. Like They've done a masterful job of making sure Durant, every time Durant catches it, it's uncomfortable. And every time he catches it, he's not... It, like He sees one to two bodies, depending. They're giving him a lot of zone tactics, too. Mm-hmm. Which- Mid post, so mm-hmm. they're, they're they're confusing them pretty good. Um, another series I thought was going to be better, but is now also three zero is Denver, Golden State. <laughs> oh, okay, Golden State uh, look like the best team, and <laughs> them in Boston look like the two best teams in the league in these playoffs yeah. so far. My goodness, Golden State's looked phenomenal. Golden State's look good. Um, you know, I feel for Jokic because he just did not have the help those first two games, especially, especially from Aaron Gordon, who, you know, really came in not to be necessarily the number two guy, but be that X factor behind Jamal Murray and uh, and Michael Porter Jr., especially. You know, I feel like they kind of got him to be that athletic Draymond Green, do the dirty work, you know, play play three through five on defense, possibly. Kind of like what Back- Wiggins is doing now for the Warriors. Absolutely. Like rebound, and, uh, athletic rebound. If you need to get a bucket, just play within the flow of the game and give them good defensive minutes. Absolutely. Uh, but back to back to the Nuggets and their their rotation. Aaron Gordon did not give them anything the first two games. No. Game three, he shows up. Jokic more than shows up. He has 38-17. Uh, and they got a good performance from their bench. Like, they really did. They got a good performance from their crew. Same thing, though, with Brooklyn. Like, in that game three, they just didn't have enough to go against the Warriors. You know what I mean? Uh, they made that big play down the stretch. I believe Wiggins got that rebound, and then it ended in that Jordan Poole layup. Is mm-hmm. that the play? That yeah, um, Steph missed a three, and then they, Wiggins got the offensive rebound, went from Steph to Jordan Poole. He made the layup, and then Steph ended. Up, they ended up missing, and then Steph got the layup, and then Draymond Green stole the ball from Jokic, and that was the game. That sequence, that's right, yeah. I you know, I feel like if Jokic had a little more help in that game specifically, they win. I mean, obviously they had the chances. Uh, game two was the one to steal it. They needed to steal one on the road. They really yeah. did, especially with what their supporting cast is. Jokic is clearly, he's enough by himself to get him to that point where it's a close game with the Warriors, but he just does not have the help around him in this series to close a deal. That's why they needed games one or two. Um I really liked what Michael Malone said about the Nuggets after the game and how he's not – he doesn't want to be down 3-0, but, you know, given the roster they have or this or that, you know, they fought regardless and that, you know, they got a chance to either fight or roll over. 
in game four here today. Mm -hmm. uh, and then speaking of being down 3-0, then you got Nick Nurse. And we'll go, I'll, I'll bounce back to the Warriors series because I've got some Warriors thoughts. But Nick Nurse, he is actively, and I said this in the first part of the podcast, he's actively, I've never seen a coach so actively be like, yeah, we want to come back from down 0-3. You know, obviously every coach would say one game at a time, but I've never heard anyone actively be like, hey, three one's been done before. No one's ever done all three. And you saw they came out yesterday and fought with the Sixers, frustrated and beat. Uh, nothing was easy for the Sixers at all. This is more of what I thought was going to be the rest of the series. Yeah, I mean, but I had the series going seven for a reason because I thought that, I mean, game, I was going to say game three was also a close game, clearly, and it took a, an Embiid three-point shot close to the buzzer to win game three in overtime. But, blooded shot, too. Yeah, oh, yeah, he, no, he that was... was that was he was so there. calm taking that three. That's a tough shot. Off an inbound turn, face, fire. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Tough shot. Definitely. But so the series has been pretty competitive for, the, for it being 3-1. At least the last two games for sure have been. So Toronto's going to give Philly... Game, game five in Philly is not going to be an easy win. Like, they got it. Philly's got to come with it, or they're going to go back to Toronto. Yeah, I mean, I think Game Five is going to be a very tough game. Yeah, uh, yeah. Raptors are going to make it tough on. They're going to make it a junkyard game. Uh, I think Embiid's going to bring it. I think he'll have a better game. Harden, as we've seen, he cannot get to the rim or anything that he wants to do. He's been a good playmaker. Uh, so really, all they need him is he, like here and there. Honestly, in this series. You know, they it's a bad matchup. It's a bad matchup for him, given how physical Toronto is. Uh, but I think Game Five is going to be, and it depends. I don't think they're going to have Van Vliet, especially since he didn't come back to the the game the other day. Mm -hmm. Shout out to Scotty Barnes the way he's been battling his injury. Shout out for him for rookie that, of the year and rookie of the year. Um, I think it's going to be a battle. I think it's going to be close. If they lose. Game six on Toronto is going to be a madhouse. And I think Philly, I don't think Philly loses this series anyway, but I could see a situation where they, for some reason, lose game five and then win game six on the road, which would be tough. But Toronto really just doesn't have the talent. But Nick Nurse, Nick Nurse can coach, man. Like, I think if, honestly, I'm going to be honest with you. If Philly doesn't win game five, I think they're going to be in a game seven. <laughs> okay. I, uh, I mean, I could... I'm, I and I mean, Toronto's just not talented enough. Maybe if they had Van Vliet, but if you don't have your leading leading scorer, really, I mean, they got Siakam true. still. True, is, uh, true. If depending but, on I mean, Van, could, Van Vliet, it depends. But I, I, I think I'll stick with that right now. If Philly doesn't win Game Five, then there'll be a Game Seven in Philly. I don't see them going to Toronto and winning in Game Six. I, I think they'd still have the advantage with Embiid and Harden. I could see I could see a situation where Embiid and Maxi, Embiid and Maxi. But hey, Harden's. I'm not a big Harden guy, but hey, he had 21, an ugly 21. He's getting his assists. He's doing the playmaking, yeah. and you know Maxi gave him nothing yesterday. No, they they need a second score scorer. Like and Harden apparently is no longer that. He is just a point guard extraordinaire. Um, so it's got to be Maxi or Tobias Harris. They need someone else to go get them mid twenties with Joel Embiid, which is which has happened throughout the series. I mean, yesterday was their worst performance. Mm -hmm. uh, I was gonna say Max. Maxi had thirty eight in game one, twenty three in game two. That's why they won. And then game three, nineteen, obviously right on the fringe. And then game four, eleven. So 
Yeah, they need this game, amount. Game five is going to be a dogfight. I think I think Nick Nurse is going to pull out some weird defensive tactics. Like who knows? He's going to pull something out. He went with that five forward lineup yesterday, which I really loved uh, to close. Um, I could see him really pulling out something against a beat though for a defense, like some weird zone. He's like just known for it. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm I'm weirdly looking forward to that game because I really enjoyed Game Four more than I thought I would. Uh, how Toronto played, but you know, ultimately, I don't. I don't think this goes seven, even if they do lose a Game Five. I really don't. But back to the Warriors and how we've seen Jordan Poole evolve from uh, from a from a six man now to a star. Like yeah, he's many stuff. He's gonna be he's gonna be a problem for years to come. Like when you got. And kind of like Steph Curry, he was doing in the regular season, obviously a little bit too. But like when you really perform that way in the playoffs, regardless against like who it's against, I could be a scrub team, it could be anybody, but it gives you that next level confidence. It's going to be scary for them. Next next round, obviously, they're going to be starting Steph, but they'll probably have Jordan Poole in that lineup too. And it's just going to be a lot to deal with. He's officially the third Splash Brother. Yeah, uh, all the Splash Brothers need a pool. They gave him, oh, Jesus Christ. They gave him. They gave him the death row chain, Splash Brothers chain, death row style, I should say. <laughs> Rockefeller style, however. They gave him the chain that way. Uh, yeah, Jordan, Jordan Poole's officially there, man. Like, he's, I don't know, he's giving them new life. He's definitely giving them new life. Uh, I love his game. He reminds me, reminds me a little bit of Nick Young mixed with, like, he's got more herky-jerky to his game, though. You know what I mean? He's like mm-hmm. Nick Young mixed with... Shit, I don't know. Maybe a little like Jamal Crawford, a little bit. You know what I mean? He's got a little more. He's got doesn't quite have the handle Jamal Crawford, but he's got that left to right game more than Nick Young did, and uh, got a little slash to his game. I love watching Jordan Poole play. Uh, it's allowed Clay to ease into his role. Yeah, here more in the first round. It's allowed Curry to ease into his role as the six man. Uh, the greatest I'm six really, man to ever yeah, live. Yeah, next round. Really interested to see what's up. Said the greatest six man to ever live. <laughs> right. I'm I'm really interested to see how next round goes if it's Memphis. I said yesterday at the beginning of this podcast, as you heard, or as you will hear when this airs, uh, that I think Memphis. I thought Memphis was going to win last night. I thought they were going to win easily last night, and that's not at all what happened. They're got, they're two in a dog fight and a best of three now, two two. Yeah, um, they, they and there is a, easily a world where they should be down three one. You don't get two plus twenty plus point leads in a game and lose that quite often. Like they could easily be down three one right now. But they did come back. But they did. I mean, they showed the resiliency and they showed why they were the number two seed in that game and actually showed their heart and character for sure. I'm not. I'm not trying to discredit them that win. I'm just saying there's a world where they could easily be three and one or down one three going back to Memphis. Facts. Um, that series. That series is real interesting to me. Memphis. Just because I don't really know what the issue is. Towns. Like it just seems like Morant's not playing well. They've scrapped Steven Adams, which seemed to give them an advantage in game two when they scrapped Steven Adams. Now it's not so much. And like Towns actually is eating now. Like he actually had a great game yesterday. Yeah. Uh, he's had an up and down series. But, you know, there's times I get I get that he has the uh, speed advantage for sure over Adams. Like that's a mismatch for 
Steven Adams when he's guarding Carl Anthony Towns. Mm -hmm. But late in those games, and the game slows down, and they don't really have anybody seven-foot guarding them. Maybe it's because Jaron Jackson Jr. was out, too, but still, I don't know. I, I'd want to throw Adams in uh, just a little bit at him in the third and fourth quarters to slow him down at least, put a body on him when he's on the block. Obviously, they'll probably pull him out of the paint, but I don't know. I, I feel like... I guess it's specifically just because Carl Anthony Towns is such a good three-point shooter and they don't want to pull... They don't want to have a big in there to pull him out of the paint then Anthony Edwards attacks with no rim protection. I, I guess that'd be the only thing. I, I get but, that. I get not starting him, but at least give him... 12 minutes here and there to bang you know what i mean get those get those rebounds i don't know i don't know i i expected a little more out of memphis this series but john needs to john needs to play this whole 11 points eight rebounds 15 assists assist rajon rondo stat line's not going to get it done when you need to be the leading scorer on your team that's the thing he doesn't really need to be the leading scorer on his team you know we've seen that with their roster throughout the year if you're getting 15 assists as a point guard, you are doing something right. Well, yeah, of course you're it's, doing something right, but I mean, he can't just go from having averaging 27 a game this year to just being a point guard only. No, but I like, mean, that's, it's, he's not that's Chris still, Paul. That's still getting the. That's still getting your 27 though. That's getting you more than 27. If you got 11 points and 15 assists, you're still producing just as much. You're just not getting it in the traditional way we're normally getting it. You know what I mean? Um, so I mean, if, I just think he needs to be Morant's more aggressive. 11. Like, like hey, he just hey, needs. He, I've looked. I mean, last game he just felt like he getting, wasn't being aggressive. If you're getting fifth, I I kind of agree with that. But if you're getting 15 assists, I mean, you're clearly drawing the defense to you. You know what I mean? So I can't fall. If he's got 11 points, six assists, then I can fault him. If you're getting 11 and 15 assists, even if you are the star player and you're you know the leading scorer. You are doing something right. You're impacting the game that way. 15 assists is, you can't really sneeze at that. Oh, no. Uh, it's, especially it's, when, it's, he's playing. Especially when they got, it's just, especially I, when they got this. You're good. You're sorry. Right. Especially when they got the score of uh, the sporting cast that they have. You know, John Moran got into foul trouble yesterday. Uh, as did Bain. And uh, Dylan shooting Brooks. The lights like, out. I think they all had four fouls at one point, the three of them. And those are two guys, I mean, not that you want Dylan Brooks in control of your offense, but he's one that will give you some life. You know what I mean? He can create a little bit off the dribble. Sometimes he gets a little too much confidence with uh, his game. You know what I mean? A la J.R. Smith or something like that. He's got a little Matt Barnes to him as well. But, you know, when you got someone like Bain as well who can create his own shot, he can get his three. I'm not mad at the 15 assists. I'm never mad at your starting point guard getting 15 assists. You know, obviously... I'm not mad at points. it by any means. Like, I You'd just think he needs to be more aggressive. I mean, I would say the 15 assists show some aggression. There's no tentativeness with 15 assists. You can't... Unless you're Magic Johnson, you can't really get 15 assists from the top of the key, you know? But... But I definitely want to see him his scoring output go up. But the 15 assists, I can't fault that, especially at the point guard position. Which also reminds me of uh, of Chris Paul with his twenty eight and fourteen and zero turnovers, virtuoso performance by Chris Paul. I guess I'm wanting more of that. Like, and and the reason why I'm saying that is Chris Paul for three quarters was what Chris Paul has been. In the fourth quarter, you saw Chris Paul basically say, "You know what? We don't have really a guy who can go create their own shot whenever they need to." He did this in game one too. So it's like, let me go 
and get buckets because I can still do that. And I guess I just want that more out of Ja like later in game to just go get buckets because he is their best scorer. Well, you're comparing someone who's, you know, arguably the most complete point guard of all time, who's been doing that his whole career, to someone who's more out of the Iverson, Derrick Rose mold, and only well, in his third year. Well, I mean, you know if what I, mean? Like, I mean, if he's in that mold, I'm just saying he should have been more aggressive trying to look to score. That is all I'm asked. That I wasn't trying to say he needs to get 15 assists plus 27 points. I just meant in the fourth and like later in games when they need buckets, it just seems last feet like he hasn't been as aggressive as he was during the season and are as, as aggressive as I feel he could be because he is the best offensive player arguably on the floor. That that's okay. all. I think the T Wolves are doing a good job of blocking the pain off from him. He's he's doing a he's having a tough time in the half court. So I I think he is being aggressive. Like I said, you don't you don't get 15 assists by not being aggressive. So the aggression's there, but the the shots aren't up. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to figure he is, what, something between 6'1 and 6'3. Mm-hmm. Not a big guy here. So it's not easy for him to just, you know, rise up over a defense like Kevin Durant. He can't just get to his spot. His mid-range game's not refined or his jump shot's not refined enough to where he can just get to a spot like a Chris Paul, dictate the offense like Chris Paul. So he's really just attacking slash and kicking at this point so you know that's to some degree if you got 15 assists again that's keeping you in the game you know what i mean if he's if he's playing with 11.6 assists these games aren't as tight at the end you know what i mean especially last night that game's probably not as tight if he's not getting 15 assists so yeah again i would like his scoring output to be up but it's never a bad thing if anyone on your team's got 15 assists like they he's clearly making the right play uh and, you know, as his jump shot and all that, as that gets better, as we saw with LeBron early in his career, when you can't really dictate the defense because your jump shot's not as consistent, you're going to get these performances where it looks tentative, where you're passing more. You know, maybe you see LeBron's assist numbers go up back in the day, depending on the game, where it was like this, where the defense really packs the paint against you. So I ain't mad at it. We've got three more games left to see what exactly John the Grizzlies are made of as a two seed against a, a feisty Timberwolves group. Like, Anthony Edwards kind of changed the culture there, really. Like, he's a dog for real. I really like his game. I thought he blew out his knee yesterday. He was getting carried off the court, and then he just came back five minutes later, a la Paul Pierce. But He didn't leave him in the wheelchair, though. So. Okay. Yeah, right? And he didn't shit himself. But I don't know. I... The Timberwolves have been a surprise to me. They're just so, I don't know, they're just so young and they just do such dumb shit all the time. Like, they, I really feel like they shouldn't be in these games, but they have enough talent with Anthony Edwards and Towns and D'Angelo Russell. He can get his own bucket anytime to where they can hang in these games. And they're not afraid at all, especially D'Angelo. This is D'Angelo's kind of like a, a game five at home, or I guess in this case, a game six at home for D'Angelo Russell. Like, that's his type of game. I could see. If this series or when the series goes back to Minnesota, I could see him going off in Game Six. He's like, a he can veteran. Like he's a veteran, and which is weird to say because he doesn't feel like one. But this is his eighth season in the league. Like he's been there, <laughs> which is really he's, odd to think. He's just what you need in the playoffs, and we've seen it 
time and time again every year. That one-on-one guy can just, like Lou Williams, he can just go off in a game, change the whole series. Nate Robinson back in the day, Jamal Crawford, J.R. Smith, like all these guys who either can get their own shot or at least can shoot you into a game, mm-hmm. you know, can change your whole course. So I would not be surprised to see this go seven. Um, it's, had- it's a really weird series. That's all I could, like, this series in particular, I cannot get my finger on at all. Well, no, because after game one, you're like, okay, Memphis is in a, is going to be in some trouble. Game two, Memphis comes even in. After to- game one, even after game one, I didn't think they were in trouble. I was like, all right, Timberwolves first game, which you see a lot where you just steal one game one. Then game two, they bounce back. They blow them out. Game three, I didn't even get to see because fucking Hulu was down. So, but I mean, I remember I walked in, checked my phone. They're down 22. Next thing I know, I'm getting texts that the Grizzlies have took the lead. Uh, so I didn't get to see any of that game live, unfortunately. But, yeah, weird up and down fucking game. And I thought that they took, I thought they would have took the Timberwolves hard with that game. And then here come the Timberwolves. They bounce back and win that game. That's a great win for the T-Wolves. No, just, so. The Timberwolves are, as you were saying, they just sometimes play dumb. So they're sometimes I don't think they understand the gravity of what just happened. So they kind of just go out there and just every game's a new game, which is good to have. It's kind of like uh, Eli Manning. And their their like, coaching's been dumb, too. Mm-hmm. I that's that's another part where I don't understand they survive because usually bad coaching in the playoffs will get you. And he's not necessarily a bad coach, but he's had some terrible decisions, like just letting that 21-0 run go without a timeout. Yeah. Like playing, playing towns with four fouls early in the third quarter in that playing game. You know, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I was going to say, he's kind of, like, they're kind of like Eli Manning-esque right now. And I mean in the sense of Eli could go out there and throw three picks in three quarters, and in the fourth quarter it would be a completely different guy, and you wouldn't have no idea where it came from. Where like those mistakes in those bad moments don't really affect them for some one reason or another. What other series you want to talk about? By the way, we got the Bucks are up 20-12 to 12 with yeah. three minutes left in the first quarter. Drew Holiday has eight. He has three of three from the field, two of two from. Oh, now he has ten. So. Let me. Oh, no, no, sorry, eight. Um, series, let me ask you about these. Hold up, first. My bad. My bad. You're ask good. you a question, then I switch the course. But let me get you. Let me get your predictions. <clears throat> Nuggets Warriors game four. I think it's a sweep. I, I think do. Jokic gets one. I, I think it's a sweep. I think the one. I I think if they were going to get one, it would have been game three. Jokic really can't play any better than what he did. 37 and 18, that's kind of tough to. Like, you can't. Like, he's not going to go out there and have a better game, and they still manage not to pull it out. I just think Steph, Jordan Poole, and Clay are too much right now, especially with how Draymond's been playing. I agree. I think it's a close game. I think it's a competitive game. Oh, yeah. Definitely. But I think the Warriors win. Definitely, definitely what, a close game. What about the Heat and the Hawks? I think the Heat go up three one. I agree. I agree. I don't think Trey. I think. I think what they're doing to Trey Young is they can just continue duplicable. I, I think what like they're not doing anything that's like crazy with him. They're just throwing so many bodies at him. Trey Young is just obviously a miniature point guard, so you can't. He can't just overpower anyone with his size or strength. And Miami's just a very, very good defensive team. I think, I, honestly, at the moment right now, with the way 
that the East is looking, mm-hmm. I could see a rematch of the 2020 Eastern Conference Finals. Celtics Heat? I could see a rematch of that, and I would love to see it. Pelican Suns tonight, what do you got? That series became way more interesting once Devin Booker came down with that hamstring injury. I still think Phoenix is going to win the series. I think it could go six, and if it does, I think the Pelicans could win tonight because Brandon Ingram has been playing really well. So I think the Pelicans pull it out tonight, and then Phoenix wins the next two. I could see a world where the Pelicans definitely win one more. I think the Suns go up through one tonight, though. Oh, that's fair. If they again, if the Suns won in five, it wouldn't blow me away. The only thing that would shock me is if the Pelicans won the series. That would, the only thing that would shock me. Yeah, I don't think they're winning the series. I don't uh, either. I think we see another great Chris Paul performance. I can't believe you know for all the people who sit there and say, you know, like year 18, year 19 for LeBron. I don't hear the same <laughs> echo of Chris Paul, who I believe this is year 18 for him. Cause uh, I believe he was the next draft after LeBron. I want to say, if not, he was two drafts after, I don't know, but for him to be basically doing what he was doing in his second and third year in the league. And he's doing it in his 17th year. Unbelievable. Like he, he's dropping quickness, maybe a half a step. But he's literally still a lot like the same Chris Paul we saw on the Clippers and uh, the Hornets back in the day. Now the Pelicans. But he's in year seventeen and just as consistent. Like looks just as good. Like those getting who'd he get? He'd get like Valanciunas. He got Nance on a lot of those switches last game. Like that was vintage Chris Paul stuff. Get your get the matchup you want. Dish if they're gonna run two at you. If not. It's over in the mid-range. It was reminiscent of Game 5 against the Lakers in 2010. Reminiscent of his whole career. Yeah, his whole career. But for me, I was going to say, that's just one of my favorite Chris Paul games of all time. It's just, he got, it was Paul um, Paul Gasol on a switch. Okay, let me take him out. Uh, It's uh, Andrew Bynum on a switch. All right, he can't guard me. I can do whatever I want on the floor. I can get to any spot I want to. But then again, I'm going to set up my teammates. And then again, I'm not going to make mistakes because I just don't turn the ball over. He's unbelievable. I can't wait to see him. He's, I mean, I can't even lie. If the Celtics happen to go out in the playoffs at some point, I'm rooting for the Suns. I really want to see Chris Paul get one. Uh like, He's done literally everything there is to do in this league, but win a ring. So that and an MVP. Those are two things. Sure, but, but definitely, definitely looking for him to win if the Celtics go out. Like, like for his career, he's nine point five assists with only two point four turnovers. If you're having two turnovers, it's typically meaning that you're not having the ball all that much. But he has the ball more than anybody and only has two turnovers a game. That is, he's had a one season with three turnovers. Yeah, he's, that is wild, as especially as someone who touches the ball as much as he does. Yeah, he's he's the most complete point guard to play this game. Absolutely, like there's absolutely zero holes in Chris Paul's game. That's it's not a lie. I've always said, and I've always said this. Obviously, if I mean LeBron's like developed this. If LeBron was six foot, he would be pretty much Chris Paul. I thought it's like so. Le- Chris Paul to me is like a six foot 
LeBron. I mean, obviously, I mean, obviously, as him with him being six foot, but also a knockdown shooter on top of that. Yeah, for sure. I was gonna say, but I was gonna say, with him being six foot, to me, it always just means that like you have to be a little bit better of a shooter because you can't rely on your athleticism enough and like things like that. So I feel like if Chris Paul was six eight, he would be LeBron, which means he would be one of the greatest players to ever play. Like he's just like high. I mean, not that his he's gonna be mad at his career because he's had a great career. May if he doesn't win a championship, that'd be the one thing. But he had the if he was just six five six six, he could be probably in your argument for the greatest player ever, depending on how these things go. Just because he's that talented. Same thing with like AI too, like how like where there are greatest scores ever for AI, but you know, those kind of things. May thirteenth. What are your expectations for this? Uh, for the Kendrick Lamar album. Well, I appreciate the birthday present. I appreciate the birthday present, Kendrick. Um, I, I I don't have any expectations right now. I'm like, like other than greatness, because you can't be out for over. Time out, time out, time out, time out. You've been talking about Kendrick Lamar and when he's dropping on this podcast for at least the last two years. You're telling me you have no expectations. Okay. Other than greatness. Like I don't, like I've seen like tweets, different things over the time. It's going to be like more rock influence because Kendrick takes from everywhere. So last album, he had more of the modern sound. The album before he had a lot of, he had a lot of jazz influence. He had a lot of like different, just he pulls from different things because he's really a musical savant. So the no expectation is I have no idea like how this album is going to be like with, like with a Drake album or even sometimes a J. Cole album, you can kind of guess the direction of where it's going to go. I don't know where Kendrick goes because he's just so left field at times in the greatest way possible. Like he just does, he goes against the grain. So I have, I expect great. I don't know what to expect with the music. That's what I mean. I just expect whatever it is, I expect great. I agree with that. Because he's never... uh, No, you're fine. I was going to say, he's... Kendrick has never given even close to a bad project. Absolutely. I was going to say, since Section 80... Obviously, his mixtapes are his mixtapes. I think they're all great. But since Section 80, when he's been putting out commercial projects, he hasn't had a... Even one that would be below an A- minus to me. Everything has been in an A. Absolutely. He's hitting a hundred percent. I don't really care for the, uh, the album title. I thought that was weird. I thought that was a little kind of off brand mm-hmm. of what Kendrick is, but I'm expecting great music. I'm expecting about, I don't know, maybe 15 tracks, 15 tracks of his, Kendrick. His albums I'm are expect- typically longer. At least to Pepper Butterfly was longer. Actually, they're around like 12 to 14. Thinking other than to pimp a butterfly. I'm very interested to see. I just got these fries randomly delivered to me, my fault. But you're good. I'm very interested to see the uh, the like who's producing this album, like what, where he's getting his beats from, this and that. Because it's been a long time. He really switched it up on us with "Damn" with that release. That was more of a. I mean, he's always speaking consciously. Like the stuff he raps about is obviously more conscious. Um, but the production on Dam was more, I guess, 
if you want to call it mainstream or more current to what we were hearing at that time. Yeah. So I'm really interested to see if he goes like a little more like, you know, like true hip hop approach, kind of like his second album. Um, why does it always escape me? Which one? To Pimp a Butterfly. Pimp a Butterfly, absolutely. Uh, it's my favorite album of all time. I'm actually looking at it right now. I have, the, I have the vinyl on my wall, so I'm actually looking at it right now. So, yeah, I can't wait for this album. We got Future dropping next week. In between Future and Kendrick, Jack Harlow's dropping. What's your opinion on Jack Harlow? Because, I mean, I, also I feel like obviously he's not for me, but like he's got good music. I don't really listen to him like that, but he's got good music. I'm going to check the album when it comes out. I want to know your opinion on him. I uh, also want to just quickly mention before I go on that Kaylani's dropping an album on May second as well. So that's right. Yeah, she's dropping. So I'm. And by the way, I'm Kendrick dropping this soon. Kendrick dropping this soon means Sis is definitely dropping this summer. Gotta be. Yes, I'm hoping. I'm hoping she drops, and I'm hoping Absol gives me something because I've been forever since I've heard from Absol too. But my my theory, real quick, I just want to say this because I was literally going to come on this podcast and say this probably this week before, mm-hmm. you know before Kendrick gave this announcement my theory was Kendrick was holding out because he was waiting for SZA to drop because we've heard from SZA for the, what the last two three years that she was dropping and mm-hmm. still hasn't dropped. so I thought because she said recently at the Grammys that the album was done well, that so was I thought okay June of 2018 Control came out that's crazy oh her, her last album yeah June of 2018 I want to say it was 2016. You, was it 2018? I thought it was 20 because I thought it came after, out after Damn, but I'm, I'll look it up right now. I think it came out the same summer as uh, Durant leaving because uh, I I want to say I was listening to it around the same time. Actually, it was June 9th of 2017. 17. 17. Crazy. But. Oh, yeah, yes, thought, it was in the same year as Damn because I thought, uh, yes. I remember that now because I thought I was comparing the albums and which one I thought was better. That is right. Okay. That makes sense. Go on. But my theory was, because like again, I heard her say at the Grammys that album was done. My theory was she's going to let her drop around the next couple of months and then he was going to come like at the end of the summer. But Mm -hmm. Kendrick, May 13th. Sorry, back to my original question, Jack Harlow. How do you feel about him? Um, I like Jack Harlow. He makes solid music. He can rap. Um, he's solid. He's someone that he's one of the newer people. Like he still has, he still raps and he still enjoy, but he still makes kind of like partyish music. I don't know. It's weird. It's weird. I like him. Don't love him. I like him. I'll definitely listen to the album. I'll see. I'll like some songs on it. I like him. Don't love him. It's kind of my opinion on him. He's, yeah, I mean, he's not, he's not what I would listen to normally. Yeah, essentially, essentially yeah, that. To me, it really feels like he's going to be here for the next 10 years, and it really mm-hmm. feels like he has true Drake potential. And I don't mean that in the, in the talent of Drake. I mean that in the omnipresent, you can't escape him. You're always going to hear him. He's got good music. Even if the song you don't think is good, it's eventually going to grow on you, that kind of. You know what I mean? Yeah. He's going to be the the pop rapper and that's not a diss at drake at all but he's gonna be the pop rapper for the next 10 years and we won't be able to escape him we'll see him at every all-star weekend we'll see him course that everywhere we'll see him at the super bowl we'll see him everywhere mm-hmm. just like 
Just like how it's been with Drake these last, I don't know, 10 to 15. I'm surprised Drake hasn't but, won a Super Bowl yet. At some point. At yeah, some point. I feel like he will, but like, I'm really surprised he hasn't done one yet. I feel like that's something that he's probably going to do before he's done. Any other music suggestions, takes, observations? What else you got for me? Um, you heard the dream? Do you listen to the Dreamville project yet? I did listen to the Dreamville project. I haven't listened to Pusha T's new album, but I have listened to the Dreamville project. And have you listened to Pusha T? I'm assuming. Yeah, I've given it a few listens. I love it. It's my it. okay. probably my favorite album so far. Okay, but I'm I'm reserving time. That's me going off beats, by the way. Like. I haven't really delved into the lyrics yet. Pusha obviously is going to give you a anywhere from a B plus to an A plus with bars. You know what I mean? Pusha's mm-hmm. going to come, and he didn't waste his time at all. It feels, in a way, Daytona Part Two, but a little darker. Uh, I said on the front on this prom- of this podcast, Pharrell fucking blacked out. Like I fucking loved every single Pharrell beat on this album. Every beat's great, but Pharrell like. <laughs> He gave Pusha the dopest beats. Like I, Pharrell is such an incredible producer. Like, and I mentioned this at the front of the podcast as well. Please just go look at his production discography from like 2000 on. Just look at it. Like, he has the same amount of production with the same quality of hits. You know, spanning 20 years plus. That goes back to the 90s too. But I digress. Love the Pusha T album. I'm looking forward to this future album. Um. And I'm very much like, I just, I'm kind of like you. I don't really know what to expect out of Kendrick. I'm expecting heat. I'm expecting a clap, not necessarily a classic, but I'm expecting a quality album. I, there's, I don't see any sort of world where Kendrick gives us some black shit. You know what I mean? Obviously, this yeah. shit's going to be, but I just don't know what direction he's going to go. You know what I mean? We've seen long breaks from Kendrick. It's been six years. That's fucking insane. Like, so, you know, Drake's been taking a lot of subliminals at him over the years. I feel like I feel like he kind of was talking to Drake on that Baby Keen record that he dropped. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know. I don't know if he's gonna go more in that direction, taking shots at all the biggest rappers, maybe Drake, Cole, this and that. I don't know where he's gonna go. He's always he's always with his socially conscious stuff too. So he's gonna be, you know, giving us his view of the world. You know, especially, you know, post Trump administration. We haven't heard from Kendrick since he was in the Trump administration or since we were in the trump administration as a country i should say so things have changed in the last six years you know um obviously so i'm i don't know i'm really i have i have expectations for this kendrick album but i have no like feel for what the fuck he's gonna do because we haven't even seen him on features aside from that keem album either like we seldom hear from this guy he came he's out borderline Lauren Hill status for like the little that's up there. Like he's really Frank, just like uh, Frank Ocean and Frank Ocean. Frank Ocean's on that level too. We might never hear from him ever again, for all we know. But we at least get a feature Sorry. from him every now and then. Every now and then we'll see him on a feature. Kendrick, we can shit from. You no, know, Kendrick was dropped um, damn in 2017 on April 14th, and then he came out with the Black Panther soundtrack in 2018 in january and then from that point on till like six months ago we did not hear a word from him 17 that's right so five years so like, it's been he's done nothing 
like from that point. It's really uh, maybe like a feature or two that I'm not thinking about because of the time frame. Um, I believe Mask Off came after that. Or did mm-hmm. it come? So he was. That was, a, that was the same year. It yeah. was around the same time. Yeah, it was around the that. same time. It was to say because that. But moving on to that Dreamville, because that's what you asked me about. I like the project a lot. Dreamville has a bunch of rappers, and J. Cole is the best rapper alive. It's what kind of I just got from that. Yeah, there's, uh, uh, there's increasing. <laughs> There's increasing momentum behind that. I don't want to call it a take, because, but there's increasing momentum behind that statement that J. Cole's a lot. He was. He was absolutely flowing on every single track. His verse on, on Stick was crazy. I love that record. I love that record. I love that. Every, yeah, what, he was only on three three songs on yeah, that. Yeah, he was on, he had the Heavens EP that already came out. He, um, yeah. Freedom of, I'm looking at it now, Freedom of Speech. Freedom. Which was good too, and then stick, which is my favorite Cole verse, and that was like before that. Listening to that, I think that may be my favorite verse of the year. Before that, um, his Johnny P freestyle, um, that was one of my favorite verses of the year too. But just Cole is right now the best rapper alive until Kendrick proved me otherwise, but he's out of the conversation because he's been out for so long. So he went off on a, on London too. would be a, be his record, her latest song. Yes, J. yes, Cole. yes, yes. Um, he, he, Cole since 20, I was thinking about this actually the other day cause I was listening to that. Cole has been on a streak since American dream came out. And that was, before KOD in 2018 on a Jeezy record. Mm-hmm. Like he and Cole, since that feature has been on a streak of just putting out nothing but great music and especially features. I haven't heard a bad Cole feature or anything that's less than like a minus level Cole feature since that 2018. Speaking of American Dream, when uh, on the same record as Kendrick. And you decide to be sing song Kendrick instead of rapping Kendrick. She's name for bomb. Yeah, <laughs> he did. Kendrick didn't. Kendrick may have heard Cole's verse and was like, "I don't want to rap right now. I don't know." But like, he kind of <laughs> sound like he duck. Sound like he duck the smoke. Yeah, honestly. Did you, did you hear what about? Did you hear the Drake leak, the Jack Harlow record? Did you hear that? I have not. I was looking for it, but I couldn't. I don't feel like I found the right version or anything, so I didn't actually listen to it. So I just heard There's, about it. There was a time where that I think I think the day after it leaked, they kind of scrapped it off YouTube, but it's back up. I'll send it to you. Okay, because I tried honest, to look for it, but I couldn't find it. Honestly, and I don't think the I don't think it's going to get released. I don't think it'll be on Jack Harlow's record. Mm-hmm. But it, it's my favorite Drake verse in a long time. It really is. Really? Uh, yeah, I would say so. He he's kind of on his Jay Z shit with the subliminals. He's really I don't know. It's a different. I'll send it to you. It's a different flow. Okay, the flow. It's a flow Drake's done before, but it's a weird beat. It's one he's kind of mastered. But he was he was on his shit. And again, it's probably my favorite Drake verse in a while. Drake's had a lot of songs that I've loved that have come out the last few years, but this is the best verse in a while where I've been like, God damn, and I had to replay it. So the last one that probably for you would have been uh, Sicko Mode. Yeah, you really like Drake's verse on that. I do like his verse. I, 
I don't know if I liked it as much as this. I'm trying to think of the last one where I really would like replay his verse and shit. Um, it'll come to me, but Sickle Mode Offset's classic. Can't go wrong with see, it. See, I'm only but thinking of older was, Drake's verses. I can't like the newer ones for me. I don't know why they're not hitting me. Like right now, I'm thinking like Stay Scheming of Versace remix. Uh, like though, like there was a point from like 2012 to 2014, 2015. That I absolutely, Drake was just uh, amazing for free, uh, for features. You got anything, anything else for us? Uh, no, actually, I'm all, <laughs> that's all I want. Uh, basketball's on now, I'm excited. Uh, dad randomly just tried calling me, I don't know why. <laughs> um anyways no i'm excited for basketball i'm excited for kendrick kaylani there's a bunch of new music coming out we didn't even talk about it but the nfl draft is this thursday the patriots got Devonte parker which i like debo samuels going up for trade like there's so much there's just so much a lot of stuff happening a lot of stuff happening yeah there's a lot of nfl we could talk we'll save for another time um talk to you again this week we'll talk more basketball and whatever else comes up yes. it's even great talking to you that was good talking to you too uh this is the warner brothers podcast follow us on instagram at warner brothers podcast peace have a good one <laughs>